We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Carter Rodriguez has bailed from the podcast. Yet again, he doesn't show up, but to fill in for him is my friend Jason Pat, host of the Cash Considerations Podcast, blogger for Bloggable. Jason, how's it going? I am doing well. How are you tonight? I'm doing not too bad, you know, another fun Cavs game, a, a big clash of the Titans, lost to the Washington Wizards, but uh, th- that sort of thing seems to happen. You've met Carter in real life, right? Like, you, you both, uh, when he was living in Chicago? Yep, multiple times. Ugh, that, that's got to just be a hassle, right? <laughs> totally, no. Car- Carter's a great guy. It was always fun. We, would, we had, like, a sweet little, like, blogger group. We'd go out and, like, watch basketball. We'd just watch basketball games. And it, was, it was always a lot of fun. He's a good guy. <laughs> You're, you're really not you're not helping me out here you're not you're not giving me any dirt to work with here uh, yeah I, I can't say i really have any like real dirt on carter i'm sorry sorry to disappoint yeah. so jason says for everyone listening at home jason says carter is boring there there's no there's no <laughs> shady business going on with him believe it or not carter and i have actually not met yet in person which, which wow. is funny that we've been doing this for a couple yeah. of years, but you know what? That's the, that's the way it goes. I, I do want to talk, um, obviously, Cavs Bulls happening on Saturday. Uh, another big showdown in prime time there. Um, but both teams are kind of in similar stages where you're kind of figuring out who is part of the core. Um, obviously, Chicago's a little bit further ahead in that process. How are you feeling at this point of the season? Because it's kind of been a weird year for the Bulls. Very, very weird. So the Bulls definitely were thinking playoffs when the year started. I was thinking maybe like I was. I did not pick them to make the playoffs this year, but I thought they could definitely compete. And I guess technically they still are competing for a playoff spot because the right. bottom of the Eastern Conference is a joke. But uh, definitely did not expect them to be seventeen and twenty nine. Uh, with this record where they are right now, they started terribly. They had an easy start to the season, and they got off to. Terrible start. Zach Levine was bad to start the year. Larry Markin was awful. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. got hurt early November, and he's been out still. So it's been just a definitely a disappointing season. They have been playing better against bad teams lately. We saw them 
that 19-point comeback against the Cavs where the Cavs mm-hmm. just started turning the ball all over the place in the fourth quarter and <laughs> Zach Levine hit a bunch of shots. It's basically, basically the Bulls, their whole thing right now is Zach Levine hits a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter. The Bulls turn their opponent over like a million times, and that's how they beat bad teams. They can't beat good teams. They are 1-18 against teams above 500 and then 16-11 and against uh, teams below 500. So basically they're bum slaying. They've been really good against bad teams lately, but they still can't beat anybody good. So it leaves them here in this weird spot where they're they're kind of in the playoff race, but they're not actually any good because they can't beat anybody good. Zach <laughs> Levine has been playing at an all-star level lately. I don't think he's going to actually make the all-star game. Obviously, all, all-star starters came out tonight, and then the reserves, I think, come next week. I think he'd probably get left out because the Bulls suck and actual good players from good teams will make it. But he has been pretty good lately. Larry Markkinen has been still kind of a point of contention. Like, he started playing better as the year went on after just an absolutely awful start. It was just a shockingly bad start to the year. He's, he's been playing a bit better, but he still goes through these lulls where he's invisible. He just kind of uh, just floats around the perimeter. Wendell Carter Jr. is here right now, so that's kind of a bummer. Like I said, Otto Porter's still out. Kobe White's been kind of hit or miss. He's had some really big games, but he's also had some really ugly games as well. And, he, and he, he's a rookie. I mean, he's a rookie point guard. You, you're dealing with that with Colin Sexton last year and Darius Garland this year. So, yeah. Weird season. I really don't know what to make of it. I can't really take the Bulls seriously until they actually maybe beat a good team or two because right now they're just bum bum slaying and then losing to actual good teams. Yeah, it's a shitty thing because I I think this season for the Bulls, I I believe that I picked them to to make the playoffs. I I was a big believer in Otto Porter Jr. kind of having a breakout season, especially when you look at how he finished the year. I thought he was a candidate for kind of, let's call it like an 80% of what Harden had when he went from OKC to Houston, where I, I thought he was capable of handling the usage. Um, didn't play well at the the start of the year. Um, and, and then, as you said, got hurt. But it's tough to establish a proof of concept when you do have these major pieces that are missing. Uh, you, you have a decision to make with Otto Porter Jr., same with Denzel Valentine, um, done. Uh, you you got to make a decision at the end of the year. Um, and, and then, as you mentioned with marketing, it, it's kind of still that mixed bag. As you're heading into the trade deadline, do you expect the, the Bulls to kind of be a, a buyer or a seller? Like, wh- where do you think that they're at in their thought process? Because as you mentioned, they're, they're still just a win back. They're a game back in the, <laughs> the win column from the eighth seed. Right, yeah. It's such a weird spot. Like, there have been rumors about Thaddeus Young being traded. He's in the first year of his deal. He was the first guy they signed in free agency. Mm-hmm. But they agreed to a deal in free agency. There have been rumors about the Clippers uh, there. And the Clippers, apparently, they sent a scout to watch him. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't think there's actually been, like, I don't know how much actual, like, talks been going on. But clearly, some there with the Clippers. Uh, you mentioned Denzel Valentine. He's out of the rotation right now and not happy about it. I feel like he's definitely going to be traded. Yeah. I don't really know what, like, he's going to get you, like, by himself. Like, maybe you get a second-round pick or something, but really nothing more than that. Like, I feel like that's a situation where maybe you package Thad and Denzel and maybe hope to get a little something better. Maybe Chris Dunn's an interesting case because basically all – he was bad last season. Uh, and he was a guy the Bulls were looking to trade. Because they, and they signed Tomas Sadaransky in the offseason. They draft Kobe White. Uh, but Chris Dunn's kind of s- stepped into Otto Porter's starting role and has been decent. Like, his offense is still kind of a mess. Like, he can't shoot. He's been finishing better. And he's been one of the better, maybe arguably one of the best defensive perimeter defensive players in the league this season with the steals. 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've always turn, been like impressed said, by him defensively. Yeah. Like he he does a good job, and as you mentioned, especially with him starting out of position, that's impressive. Because uh, point guard defense, I, I feel so frequently it it's a function of the team defense, right? Like w- yeah. where you have to have that communication, there's that help. But when you have a point guard that's actually capable of defending multiple positions, that's when it starts to really become an asset. Yeah, like he's been legitimately very disruptive and helped. The Bulls are they're right around top ten in defense. Uh, I don't think they're really that good. And they've kind of when they've actually played good teams, they've kind of stepped back. But as you saw against the Cavs, they turned the shit out of people. Like I think the Cavs <laughs> had like 25, 26 turnovers that game. I think the Bulls are forcing like eighteen or something a game. They turned the Bucks over like twenty three or twenty four times the other night. The uh, the game the other guy, the Timberwolves had like nine turnovers in the first quarter. The Bulls, yeah, and that's a, that's all Chris Dunn because he's playing passing lanes. He's very aggressive, uh, even and the Bulls play like a crazy like blitz heavy pick and roll defense style, which it leaves them out of position a lot if it doesn't work. But they do force a ton of turnovers. Chris Dunn's a big part of that. I'm curious to see if they still maybe look at trading him. The fact that they're maybe this close to the playoff race and maybe they want to keep him long term, maybe they don't. I guess it would probably depend on if somebody offers up if a contender comes in and offers like a first round pick because they need some a defense and another ball handler maybe, but. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, it's probably Thad Young, Valentine, Chris Dunn are the, basically the main trade pieces. I, I I don't really know how the Bulls would sell. Like, I mean, they certainly should not be trading any of their draft picks at this point. Like, they still need those. Like, unless they were trying to look to make a big deal. I mean, I guess they could possibly look to trade Otto Porter, but with that injury, like, I, I mean, that's you're probably not going to get anything there. And he's obviously got a big, big contract. I really wouldn't expect that. So, yeah, I, I'm curious with Otto Porter Jr. because I I expected him at the start of the season. So. The Cavs are in a similar space where they're trying to establish a proof of concept. Big thing is trying to figure out which veterans actually want to be here for the rebuild. I think Kevin Love gave it an honest effort and has kind of established at this point that, hey, I I don't want to be here. (laughs) Um, It may be difficult to move him at the deadline, but I I think it's clear that the priority is moving him. Tristan Thompson has expressed an interest in staying. Um, Jackie McMullen and Brian Windhorst actually talked to about that today on the Hoop Collective, saying that uh, he's pushing for an extension and it's something the Cavs will consider after the trade deadline if he hasn't moved. Um, but if those veterans wanted to stay, Otto Porter Jr. was a guy that I advocated for. Hey, if Love still wants to be here and he wants to give this a shot, that's a, a perfect guy to try to take away from the Bulls, uh, especially with no small forwards basically being in this draft. But I feel like with this injury and over $28 million for his player option next year, I could almost see him opting into that, even though he'd probably be one of the best options available in this free agent class because it's just so bad. Yeah, like I don't know if he'd try to – like I was like there was like the Harrison Barnes thing where everyone thought he was going to opt in and then he opted out and got a long-term deal. But I think that was just Kings being – that's really that's really worked out great for the Kings. Like I don't know, I don't know if the Bulls would have any interest in doing something like that. Like injury thing, just I think totally throws it off because I too I thought he was gonna have a really nice season. He was great after the trade after he was traded last season. Like he was a big part of the Bulls' offense really taking off in February last year. Like that was a big talking point for Bulls fans. Like oh, their offense was so great in February. Like marketing was great. Uh, Levine was great. Otto Porter was awesome. And that mm-hmm. was I think part of the optimism coming into this season was like well they'll take another step forward. Like they're gonna play a little more. They're going to play more like that. They'll play a little more of a modern game where they'll shoot more threes. They'll push the pace a bit more, and they'd actually have a good offense. And, of course, they have, like, a bottom five offense this year. And they were, they were I think, with the worst or, like, second worst for a while. They've brought it up to, I think, like, 26, 27 now. But still, bottom five offense. Obviously, Porter not being there has definitely hurt, but I still thought they should be better than that anyways. But, 
Yeah, I don't, he's, just, he's just a weird situation at this point with that huge contract with the player option and then this injury, which has been super mysterious. Like, he, he left the game in early November against the Hawks. He's like, oh, he's got, like, a foot bruise or, like, foot contusion. And then it tr- it's turned into this three-, four-month thing. And <laughs> allegedly, he might be back around the All-Star break. Like, I guess he was kind of doing some, like, non-contact work in practice. He was on the floor rebounding the other day. But who knows at this point? I guess we'll just J- Jason, it, it's been tough for me because I, I was banking on him for my fantasy team this year. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. And I, I had so many guys on my IR that I eventually had to drop him. So I'm keeping an eye on him because I, I had high hopes, but he's yeah. let me down. I, so, something tells me that it, it's let you down watching the Bulls on yes. every single game a little <laughs> more than my fantasy team. But I'm, I'm very, very self-involved. So that, that's where my mind immediately goes. Um, you, you mentioned Zach Levine, and I, I think he's a fascinating uh, guy because okay. Twitter seems so divided on him. He seems to be occupying that that Devin Booker space yep. where people have kind of graduated Booker out of that space. But when you look at it, basically 25, 5, and 4 this year, um, he's doing it efficiently. Last two seasons has had about a 57 uh, true shooting percentage. I, I, he's putting up all-star numbers. And I, I think there was probably one spot on this all-star team for guy that's outside the playoff picture, but is exciting and puts up, um, puts up numbers and fans like him. But that kind of went to Trey Young, who was announced yep. as a starter. Yep. Um, I, it's almost a shame that you can't have, like, let's say Kyle Lowry, who's, who's likely going to get in, have him elected as an all-star, but then have Zach Levine play for him. I feel like Raptors <laughs> fans would be okay with that because sure, he's basically yeah. – Kyle Lowry is basically there to take charges in the All-Star game, and nobody wants that, both from an injury perspective and from an entertainment standpoint. But I'm a Zach Levine believer. I I was someone um, that thought it was crazy when people suggested that he would be the better of the two players between he he and Andrew Wiggins. I think the Wolves thought the same thing. But at this point, it is clear. It is 100% clear that Zach Levine is the better player. How do you view him, though, in terms of building a team and and trying to get back into the playoff picture? Right. So, in terms, yeah, with the Wiggins thing is crazy. Like the Wiggins get like the game last night with the Bulls. Like Wiggins had three points in the first half, and apparently Ryan Saunders like went off on him, and then he had twenty two in the second. Like it was just a classic Wiggins game, just totally invisible, <laughs> and then he wakes up like absolutely wild. In terms of Levine, yeah, I've. I would also like to say I'm kind of a Levine believer as well. Like, clearly, obviously, right now he's the Bulls' number one option, and the Bulls are not any good. I think you can still probably argue, and Ricky and I have argued this ad ad nauseum on cash considerations, that he's probably not a number one guy on a really good team just because he's a great – he's one of the best scorers in the the league. Absolutely. Like, he's averaging – after a slow start this year, he's been averaging, like, 28 points per game over, like, the last couple months. He's averaging, like, 30 in – in January, like the guy's going to get buckets for you. He's going to score efficiently. He's going to hit you big shots down the stretch. He can do that. But in terms of like actually like carrying a team, like, I mean, he was traded for Jimmy Butler. We, me and Ricky talk about Jimmy. I guess we don't talk about it all the time, but he was, he was a big part of the Jimmy Butler chain. We see what Jimmy Butler can do in Miami. It's a guy who can lead a team both ends of the floor and can just lift a team to their whatever 30 and 13, whatever the hell the heat are. I don't know exactly if <laughs> he can be that guy. Like he can, he's obviously, again, he can get buckets for you. In terms of being like an all-around like lead offensive initiator, like decision maker, his decision making still not great. Like he's only got whatever four assists per game. I think he's at like three or four turnovers a game. So like that, that's not great. That's obviously some of that is a function of the Bulls just not being good like around him. So like, is he like a number one guy in a really good team? I would still probably say no. But like, if he was like 
a good number two to a legitimate like two-way number one, like I think I could probably absolutely say yes to that. And, like he's also on like a reasonable contract because you talk about it. I mean, obviously Devin Booker is really good, but you talk about guys. I've mentioned like guys like Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, like Wiggins. These guys who've signed these max, these basically not super max, but these max hundred like fifty, hundred sixty million dollar extensions. Levine's on a four-year, eighty million dollar deal, and he's one of the better scores in the NBA. Like totally reasonable there. He's not, so the Bulls, yeah, just, just shy of twenty million a year. Like that, yeah. that is really, really good value, especially yeah, when you're talking about over the next couple of years. Right. So like, it will be interesting to see like. Where the if the Bulls if they don't make the playoffs if they just kind of if they end up with like low thirties like I'm curious if they'll look to trade him I, there was an article out today about how he says he wants to be involved in like future team de- team decisions I have no idea if they trust him that much if they'll actually do that because year three of the rebuild and if you're still bad like I mean I don't think anybody should really be safe but yeah I mean he's been really good like I, he definitely you're definitely right out with the device stuff. He's still obviously not very good at defense. I think he's gotten a little better this year. He's improved at least getting steals and like playing passing lanes. Obviously, again, the turnover thing, like he's played, he's helped play a role in that. He still could lose, lose focus a lot on that end. And the Bulls give up a lot of open threes and shots around the rim. And some of that's on him. But I mean, overall, like, like I said, at the contract that he's at, he's one of the best scorers in the league. Like, see, will he make the all star team? Like I said, I think the coaches will probably, like you said, Kyle Lowry is going to make it. And there's a lot of, a lot of competition there from players on good teams. You look at the Celtics guys, the Pacers guys, like Bam Adebayo. Jim, Jimmy was not a starter. Like, like I think the coaches will probably trend towards those guys on good teams. And Zach will probably be like the maybe the thirteenth or fourteenth guy, and maybe he'll get in as like an alternative. Somebody. Yeah, the the, the Angelo Russell uh, route in where yeah. you just got to root for like three or four guys to die. Yeah, uh, and I'm saying, I'm saying I don't. Zach I don't think. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. It could be a really fun player to have in the All Star game. Like he is he's just gonna he, chuck threes and dunk. <laughs> like, come dude on. is made for an All Star game. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. that that is a situation where he would absolutely shine. And I think it would also be fun to see him just play alongside that type of talent. Because I agree, I, I think he's the type of guy that would fit in almost any situation, but just isn't that lead guy, which. There isn't really any shame in that, right? Like, no. you, I, I think we're even seeing someone like Kyrie Irving, probably yep. best as a number two. He's not someone that's going to elevate the entire team. But it does kind of – it raises some interesting questions because I, I think team building is, is something that people debate all the time. You see multiple styles, and, and ultimately we all know that luck has to be a major factor no oh. matter what route you take. Um, but you you have teams like New Orleans where they emphasize, hey, let's get some veterans in here to, to help develop the young guys. Um, you, you have teams like Philadelphia that just absolutely tore everything down. It seemed like Chicago was going the route of, hey, let's get Thad Young in here. That that He's an absolute pro. It, it's amazing that, that he's still 31 years old because I feel like he's been in the league forever. Um, but just, Hey, let's, let's get some veterans in there. He's going to help the young guys. Um, but it, it just hasn't really worked out this year. And I'm wondering if let's say they do trade that young and, and they're trying to figure out what, what's going on for next season. Do you, would you kind of want to see them try that again in, in bringing in another veteran or what, what would you like to see from the bulls, um, moving forward here? it's kind of hard to say because like, I feel like if they, if they do disappoint and they, again, they finish with like low thirties and wins, they miss the playoffs, whatever. Like, 
I feel like you'd have to change. I mean, I guess first of all, you'd say you fire the coach. I and mean, we have I haven't even mentioned Boylan yet. I mean, Jim Boylan. <laughs> Good old Sarge. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, just a goofball. Like uh, that would be the first thing I'd say. Fire a coach. Do an actual coaching search and bring somebody in. Because again, I mean, they they had him take over for Fred. The Bulls were an embarrassment last season, and yeah. then they gave him an extension for some reason. Like absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he, he does goofy stuff every game. This last game, he. Called a time, up seven, calls a timeout with five seconds left because he wants to advance the ball because the two wolves are pressing. You're up seven with five seconds left. It's not the game end. Like, this game's over, dude. Just take it easy. And then he, and he just, the stuff he says is always goofy. So, yeah, get a new head coach. <laughs> In terms of the personnel, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously you need, you don't want to have a team full of young guys. I and mean, we, see, we see issues with that, like a team like Atlanta, super young team, and they've been awful. Obviously, they had the John Collins thing and, Something like that, but like they don't really have many young, or veteran guys who actually can play real minutes. I mean, they have Vince Carter there, but I mean, he's forty-two, whatever years old. Like, yeah, and, and things there, haven't exactly so like, turned around with John yeah, Collins present, right? Exactly, and they're still whatever eleven and thirty, whatever they're eleven thirty-four, whatever. So, like, I mean, yeah, you probably have to make some more moves. I mean, you're not making any big moves, obviously. I would assume, like, I mean, I guess if you want to again examine trading Levine, see, what, I mean, I, I just don't know what you can really get for him at this point. Like that would actually make it worth it. Like Mark, Kevin love you, you will, uh, I 100% guarantee you if you offer him to the Cavs, <laughs> yeah. they will give you a very gently used Kevin love. <laughs> uh, I mean, with like, with like Lowry and like Wendell Carter jr. Like, I mean, Lowry, he has to step up. Like obviously he'll be up for an extension next off season after his third year. Like Ricky and I were talking, like, what would you give? Like, what would, would you try to give him? But like, we were like, maybe 460, but like, he's not going to say yes to that. So, like, he'll probably be back for year four, and then Carter will be back for year three. Like, you're probably just going to run it back with most of these same young guys. Like, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Chris Dunn and restricted free agency. We'll see what happens with Otto. Like, if he opts in, if maybe they try to trade him for something else, change something up there. Uh, try to sign a, a couple like cheap bets because I don't think they'll have much cap space. There's obviously not that the free agent market this next summer is not going to be that great. So like, I don't know if they, if they can really make like any big splashes. Like they might just be playing for 2021, like everybody else and probably strike out again, which is what, what they've done before. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just hard to see them making like any like drastic moves with their personnel, unless they really feel like, Oh, maybe we'll trade Zach Levine or, or unless they think they just have to start. Or, like it might not depend on how the rest of the season goes. If they can at least show some, if they keep beating bad teams and like, Maybe they get a few wins here and there. Even, so even if they fall short of the playoffs, maybe they think, well, like we've, we started showing more as the season went on. Like we didn't have Otto Porter. So we're just going to run this back, maybe bring in another veteran or two and see if we can kind of run this back. And with another year of development, then we'll take that next step, which I know a lot of Bulls fans would be upset, especially if, especially if Boylan's back, especially if the front office doesn't go anywhere. Like that's been my kind of thing is like I worry that they're going to do just enough where they think the status quo is totally fine. Uh, because like I'm just not really sure what, like how they get from like a like a D like one of the better bad teams like I called them yesterday like they're like the best bad team because they can beat other bad teams but they can't actually beat good teams so like how do they get from like that level to like, actually competitive I'm not totally sure like I said luck plays a huge role maybe another star maybe there's a star or two that becomes disgruntled in the next year or two there always are there's always guys that hit the market that you don't really expect. They, so they have some decent young guys that they could possibly package in a trade like that. They, they're pretty sure they have most of their draft picks. Maybe they'll get another draft pick from uh, if they trade a Thad Young or something like that. So I don't know. They're just kind of in a weird spot. It, it makes me laugh because the similarities between our two teams just – it cracks me up. Like <laughs> it, the, from the questions top down, obviously, with, with ownership and um, just – 
always have questions with the front office. Uh, there, there's also the similarities where both teams had one player, <laughs> the best player of his generation that, that got yeah. them their titles. Um, they had one other successful run with a, a point guard and a big man, but never really got over the hump and always ran into the best player of that generation. <laughs> the similarities kind yeah. of cracked me up between the two teams, but you got the bigger city and the bigger market. So you, you at least have some hope when it comes to free agency. I, I feel like team building philosophy and how someone feels about um, what you need to do to construct a contender really comes down to one question. Like, I, I feel like I can figure it out by asking uh, somebody this question, which is, are you afraid of or do you not want your team to be in the middle? Because my big thing is I want the Cavs to shoot for the middle. I, I want them to become kind of like that Atlanta Hawks or Lowry and DeRozan Raptors and figure it out from there. Get to a baseline level of competence and, and don't worry about having that contending roster locked up early on and, and doing that through the draft. Where, where do you kind of stand on that? So especially with the new lottery rules, I feel like being in the middle is not quite as bad. Like, especially, I mean, I mean, I guess middle depending if you're talking about like Raptors, like, like a 50 win team, like, no, like I'm not like a tank or like championship or like tank mindset. Definitely not that. Like, uh, and like I said, especially with these new lottery rules, like, especially this year, like a lot of people were like, have been well, like if the bulls, like if they somehow got the eight seed, I mean, if they, I don't even know, like, whatever. But, like, oh, like, there's no, like, you shoot for the eights, you're like, that's nothing. That's something. It's like, you have to get there somehow. Like, you're not going to go from, like, the very bottom and then go straight to the top. Like, you have to build something that's decent and then something will take you to that next level, whether it's you get lucky in the draft again or you swing a big, big trade or sign the big free. So, obviously, you do kind of have to get to the middle first unless, like, unless you get LeBron James coming back to your team, like, like, like it happened with the Cavs, but obviously it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with the Bulls. Giannis is not going to come to the Bulls in 2021. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, like... You're, you're not signing Anthony Davis this summer? <laughs> no. That's, Anthony Davis is not coming home. Uh, he's not leaving the Lakers. He's not coming to the Bulls this summer, no matter what people want to think. So, yeah, I mean, obviously at this point, the Bulls probably have to bank on, like... That's what they're trying to bank on these young guys. They have to get to a point where they're... A, lower level playoff team and then they do that whether they package these young guys and turn them into a legit star whether they draft they get lucky in the draft later in the mid mid later in the draft like this year I guess if they get lucky if they if they miss the playoffs maybe they I mean I guess this draft is horrible so I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to look at it but yeah it I'm definitely not, a I'm definitely very not very depressing draft maybe yeah. maybe you'll uh luck out get the the first overall pick and take Wiseman who is a poor man's Marvin Bagley yeah, there. Yeah, totally. That sounds great. But yeah, I, yeah. I, like obviously, like if you're in like the middle for a while and you're winning, like I feel like the kind of like the Pistons. Like if you're like at like mid 30s or like low 40s, just kind of doing that for several years. Like obviously, you don't really want to be there. But for right now, I mean, if the Bulls won 40 games, I'd be thrilled. Maybe like if they get there. I mean, they're not going to hit that this year. But like if the Bulls next year, if they got to if they got to 500 a little over, like that'd be a pretty good step for them. So like it's not the worst. It's not always the worst place to be. I guess it just kind of depends on where you're at in your rebuild track. And again, I, I'm definitely not like you have to tank or you like have to be like a legit title contender. You, you got to bring back Vinny Del Negro. He'll, he'll bring you yes. back to 41 and 41. Yes. That's <laughs> one of the most reliable things ever is Vinny Del Negro's ability to get to 41 and 41. I feel like the, the thing is that 
that seems like something that so many fans fear is being that that Portland or or the the Atlanta Hawks that that never really gone anywhere. But I I feel like you get to that point and then you start being aggressive. Like you you yeah. can't you can't um be content with being at that stage, but that's where you want to consolidate assets and try to cash in on getting a star. And and it also just elevates how you're viewed as a a franchise like it makes it easier to bring in supporting players because even if they don't feel like they're going to contend for a title they know that there is a baseline of competence where you are going to display them in their best role you're going to make them look good and if it doesn't lead to opportunities with that team it's going to lead to other opportunities which is so important for role players i i just feel like the all or nothing kind of view of yeah. team building it, it really contributes to just kind of the hopelessness that a, a lot of fan bases and a lot of fans can feel, especially when you look at the modern NBA where so much of the, the free agent game comes down to, hey, I, I want to play in this glamour market right. with my friend. Yep, absolutely. And hopefully now like that the, the, the like Hamptons five warriors are gone. And like, because I think that probably contributed to as well. Like, well, the Warriors are here. Like, what? Like, what's the point? Like, we're not yeah. going to win a title. Blah blah. I mean, obviously, there are really like the Lakers are great, the Bucks look great, the Clippers are great, but it's not. I mean, it still does not feel like as hopeless. And like, you never know what's going to happen. You never know with injuries. Like everyone, like I mean, last year, I mean, Clay and KD go down, and the Raptors come out and win a title. They they take the chance. They had a great team. They take a chance. They get Kawhi Leonard, and they win. Then they win the damn title. Like, that's like a great example. Like, you're kind of in that middle for a while. You get you're you're close. A lot of people want them to want that team to blow it up. Instead, they get Kawhi freaking Leonard and they win the damn title. Like, that's great. That's a great example of just kind of keep keeping at it, and making and obviously making other good moves. You get you draft a guy like Siakam, you get lucky there, and Kawhi Leonard becomes available. You take advantage. You make a big bold move, and it works out. And that's what I guess you got to hope you can do. As you said, a lot of it is definitely luck and timing and stuff like that. But yeah, like yeah, it means if you're really doing the all or nothing thing, like how do you actually enjoy your team? Because like. Only one team can. Only one team's gonna win. And if you're like rooting for like tanking all the time, like tanking also backfires on plenty of teams. Like we've you see a ton of teams. Like the I mean the Kings have been terrible forever, and the Magic were really bad for a while, and they're still they're basically like right in the middle now. So like there's no like foolproof way to do it. And like if you're just gonna be like, well, you're either a title contender or you gotta really suck. Like that's just a, I feel like you're just not gonna have that much fun rooting for your team. The journey is more fun than the yeah. championship. And I, I think you touched on an important point and something that I strongly believe is the Warriors being constructed the way that they were caused a level of desperation. When yeah. when it's this situation, I, I think a lot of players, they're competitive, right? Like they, they yeah. want to go out, they want to prove themselves. If you don't need to have three, four stars on a team. If you have a good supporting cast and, hey, if I get one other player and it's just a league of big twos, that's more the kind of the traditional NBA that, that we, yeah. we grew up with, right? Like that, that's something that we can understand. I can understand 2009 LeBron or 2008, I guess, going after Michael Redd and Ray Allen um, and trying to recruit those guys. I, I think that with the Warriors being broken up and, and I just hope to God that the, this kind of sabbatical season they have doesn't net them a top pick that they're able <laughs> yeah. to go out and get a Carl Anthony Towns or a Giannis or any of that bullshit. But I, <laughs> I hope that with the NBA kind of being a little bit more normal, 
um, it, it's going to ch- kind of change the decision making of players because I, I do think that it it can be tough for fans to kind of keep that hope alive, and I I just I, I really really hope that there's some sort of a recalculation there. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did feel just hopeless at times for those Warriors teams, and now you say, yeah, hopefully they the Gian, the Giannis stuff is is already like you kind of laugh at it. It's also just very super annoying. I mean, when they were playing the other day and it's like Giannis is on a Bucks team that's basically on pace for 70 wins. Like they're a title <laughs> favorite and the people and all the talk is about how he's going to go to the Warriors in a couple of years. It's like, please, please stop. You know what? We, we got to change the conversation. We need to change the conversation to Steph needs to go to the Bucks. Yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That That's what really needs to happen there because <laughs> with, who's on the 70 win team now? Like I don't want to laugh at it because I laughed at the Kevin Durant stuff and then yeah, like yeah. Warriors writers would start to tell me, no, no, it's kind of real. And uh, we just get, gradually a little more terrified um i i do think it, it's possible and I, i'd love to get your thoughts on this i i think that people still haven't tuned all the way into this regular season because we did the hypotheticals throughout that warriors era well you know if this breaks right look yeah. at what houston's doing etc and none of those hypotheticals matter i i think that a, a captivating postseason where you have a lot of teams um, going have, having competitive series where the matchups really matter and, and how these teams are built. Because even though the, some of the the style across the league ha, has changed and obviously gravitated towards the three, I feel like there actually is differences in teams and how the the seeding breaks down in the East is really going to matter. Uh, same thing out west. I, I think a captivating playoffs could help kind of kickstart some interest in the regular season again. I would hope so. And obviously like Zion coming back yesterday was like a huge jolt. Like we'll see how much that carries over. But I think that was just really nice to see just a lot of people just excited about a regular season game with for the New Orleans Pelicans. Like that was really cool. We'll see. And then in terms of the playoffs, yeah, I mean, we have I mean the Eastern Conference has six damn good teams. Uh in the West, obviously the Thunder have been a nice surprise as well. So that's seven darn good teams. Well, I guess we'll see who gets the eight seed. They'll probably get the stupid Spurs again. <laughs> that damn streak will never end. But yeah, I mean, the playoffs should be great. Like I said, with all these really good teams, like you said, and you mentioned the thing about how, like, a lot, obviously a lot of teams are with the analytics and gravitating towards threes, and that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, like, I, I can't remember who I saw was tweeting this today, but, like, while a lot of teams do do that, because I think it was about, talking about that shot chart. I think Goldsberry tweeted that shot chart, like, how the, the shot, like, the, right. all that stuff. But, like, that while that's true, like, I feel like a lot of teams are obviously they're built differently and how those teams, like, get to those certain shots – are way different. So yeah, there'll be clashes of styles. Like some teams, the Sixers are a very unique team. I mean, and the Lakers, a lot of them depend on their size and all that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, the Bucks have Giannis and they just spread the floor for him and he pushing the Giannis is Shaq. He's modern day Shaq. Right, exactly. So like there's stuff, while a lot of teams do end up with like similar shot profiles and all that kind of stuff. And everyone's trying to optimize with that. They get to them in a different way and it looks different. The style's different. So hopefully that should mean that, like you said, the matchups and how certain teams match up better with others. And I mean, the playoffs should be great because I hope most of these guys stay healthy and hope we get these, these, some of these really good playoff matchups besides maybe a few of those first round ones, like, like if the bulls or the, these, this horrible Nets team and then in that first round against the Bucks will be a pure slaughter, but the second round and beyond should be awesome. And a few of those first round series should be great as well. 
Yeah, they're, they're, it's funny because both conferences just look so competitive through like the first seven seats, and then it's just <laughs> <And> there's eight. <laughs> well, you know that's probably not going to be ideal. Um, I do want to finish this off with the most important question. Obviously, the name of the podcast: Cash Considerations. Jordan Bell or Cash? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, I mean, I, I guess now you'd say cash because Jordan Bell is bad. But this just goes deeper than Jordan Bell. The, the, the Bulls traded Kyle Korver for cash considerations True. back in the day. <laughs> they, I mean, last season they made legitimately, I think, three or four cash considerations trades. Uh, and the Jordan Bell thing obviously was a thing as well, even though I, I didn't even care about Jordan Bell, the player. It was just the Bulls started off a rebuild. They traded Jimmy Butler, And then that same night they traded – a draft pick, I mean, it's second-round draft pick, whatever you can say, second-round draft picks don't mean anything, but sometimes they do. The Bulls could have drafted uh, – Dylan Brooks is doing really well with the Grizzlies. He went like 40-something in that draft. And the, yeah. the Bulls said, their, the Bulls said their, their draft board was dried up at number 38. So they, they traded a pick at the beginning of a rebuild for cash considerations. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even come down to Jordan Bell. It was just the whole just like principle of the matter of trading a pick at the beginning of your rebuild for cash – they're like, I mean, the Bulls don't, the Bulls aren't strapped for cash here. Like they're doing fine there. It's so like that, that, and just like all the other, some of the trades and the Bulls being generally, despite playing in Chicago, the third biggest market, not rarely paying the tax being just kind of not like, not really like forward thinking. And, and just in terms of like investing in a lot of stuff, like they do have a new practice facility. That's nice now. And, but still like the, we've always made jokes about the Bulls being the financial financial champions because of not paying the tax, despite being where they are and all that kind of stuff. So long history of bulls just kind of being kind of cheap asses. And, and then the Jordan Bell thing was just like kind of like the final the cherry on top. And then this last year with all the cash considerations straight as well. Luckily we had already been cash considerations, So it, it worked out perfectly for us, man. I, I still remember draft night where everybody freaked out. How could the league let this happen? Jordan <laughs> Bell to the Warriors. This this is actually the move that broke the NBA. And uh, it, it didn't quite work out that no. way. That, that's one of the few differences, though, between the Cavs and, and Bulls. Uh, the, the Cavs have absolutely no problem spending money uh, for all of the flaws and reasons yeah. why Dan Gilbert is problematic. The, the man is very, very liberal with his checkbook. It, it's the only thing he's liberal with. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jason, I appreciate you coming on so much. Thank you for filling in for Carter. Really, really do appreciate your insight. Um, as I mentioned, Cash Considerations podcast, if it isn't drilled in your head at this point already, folks, yeah. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, a- anything else you'd like to plug that you got coming on? Uh, uh, let's see if you follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Uh, find my work, bloggable, SB Nation Bulls blog. Still do some stuff there uh bet chicago slash bet indiana do a little betting stuff with all the betting stuff coming up big that's always fun some nba stuff there uh i do bull stuff for forbes and then also uh check out clutchpoints.com i'm editor there do some stuff there as well so i'm all over the place fun stuff and as you said cash considerations another great blue wire podcast shout out to blue wire pods they're great for us great great stuff they're awesome so yeah Thanks yeah, check out me. Blue Wire Pods, all, all of you listeners. There, yeah. There's likely a podcast for whatever your interest Absolutely. is. So support the mothership. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And if you want to support either of our podcasts, 
the most important thing you can do is leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to support the Chase Down podcast directly, you can do so by subscribing to our premium feed. It's basically like Patreon, only you're supporting us directly. Uh, So just go to Chase Down Premium, 99 cents for the first month, five bucks a month after that. Um, If you want to be part of our Discord chat or kind of exclusive cast space, uh, you can send a screenshot of your review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to send you a link. No matter how you choose to to support us, we really do appreciate it, even though I can't talk. It means the world to us. Carter should be back next week. Hopefully he's in Minneapolis the week after I was there because he is just absolutely the worst. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to all our listeners. And until next time, go Cavs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.